Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast brought to you by Duke's Mayo. Guys, I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas. We have missed you guys. It's been a week, KG. This is the longest that we have gone without talking and and to our great listeners and seeing everybody. But this is my absolute favorite time of the year. The songs, the food, hanging out with family. And then, of course, the only reason that we actually celebrate the birth of a savior. Come on, everybody. KG, do you guys have uh, any fun Christmas traditions? Did you get after anything this, this holiday season? Mac, very well said. The reason for the season, indeed. Um, I had a great Christmas this year, a little bit different. I was at my in-laws for Christmas, oh, so a lot wait, of first new time? traditions. Yeah, yeah first time, come on. first time. So a lot of new traditions. We had a wonderful time. I honestly have the best in-laws in the world. I really Aww. do. So it was a great on, time, KG. Matt. So a lot I, of new well, traditions. This, that's right. That, that's right. Well, I can tell you right now, Kaki and I are super lucky because both of our parents live so close. So we kind of get a double dip. So we do kind of pre-Christmas, Christmas Eve, Christmas morning with her family. And then we headed over to Sumter, do the rest of Christmas Day, a couple of days after. And then, of course, right now I'm headed to the Birmingham Bowl. Come on. Yeah. Let's go, Mac. Hey, tell the people, just let's remind people, Mac's going to be on the Birmingham Bowl. When is that game and where can people watch it? Yeah, December 28th, guys. That game will be on ESPN. It will be at noon, so it's right in that primetime slot. Wes Durham, my guy, will be down there chopping it up, covering the Auburn Tigers and the Houston Cougars. Cannot wait for this matchup. It's going to be so much fun. The Birmingham Bowl. And then, of course, right after that, I'm hopping over to Atlanta. We're covering the Peach Bowl. So it's going to be a whirlwind these next couple of days and and just really can't wait to get after it. Tomorrow, watch Mac on the Birmingham Bowl. We love that. All right, Mac. It is finally time, the episode we've been waiting for all December long, the Duke's Mayo Bowl Preview. We have a huge episode, seriously, for you guys today. We'll be breaking down every single aspect of this bowl game, and we have three Duke's Mayo guests to help us do it. From the bowl side, we will welcome Executive Director Danny Morrison. From the North Carolina side, we will have QB1 Sam Howell. And then from the South Carolina side, we are joined by Head Coach Shane Beamer. Come on, KG. Loaded up for sure. Let's set the stage first. We want to tell you guys and help you understand the history and importance of the Duke's Mayo Bowl and what it means to the city of Charlotte. Who better to help us out with that than executive director of the bowl itself, Danny Morrison. Danny, welcome into the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So I want to start with this amazing matchup that we have, North Carolina, South Carolina. Both schools have such proximity to this bowl game, the battle of who's the real Carolina. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. Well, we couldn't be more excited. We've got two storied programs, a Hall of Fame coach in Mac Brown, rising star in Shane Beamer. So should be a great matchup. And uh, all the news that's coming out of both uh, programs from a recruiting standpoint and the transfer portal. And there just seems to be great excitement among the two fan bases. And so should be a great border rivalry. And we've got them again in 23 to open up the season. So uh, everybody's excited about it. Yeah, it's a perfect matchup. And you guys have had this bowl game in Charlotte for quite a while now. What does this game mean to the city of Charlotte? Well, this is actually the 20th anniversary of the bowl game in Charlotte, so we're pleased to recognize that. And Will Webb, the previous executive director, has done a marvelous job with it. And we have so much harmony in Charlotte. Everybody works so well together, the CRVA, the city, the county, the Panthers, Bank of America Stadium. Everybody wants to put on a fabulous event, not only for the fans, but we want the players and the coaches Uh, to have a great experience here. We have two wonderful signature events with the experience out at the Charlotte Motor Speedway for the players and coaches, as well as the shopping spree at Belt. So Duke's Mayo is having a lot of fun with the bowl, as you know. Miller Shoho, who does all of our social media and uh, communication, has just done a marvelous job with uh, activation on the social media 
And Duke's Mayo is a great partner because uh, they want to have fun with the bowl and they recognize that while it has the seriousness of bringing economic impact to Charlotte, we also want to have fun in the seriousness of the game as well. I might mention that our mission for the Charlotte Sports Foundation is to bring high-profile sporting events to Charlotte that have economic impact. And just an example, our Dukes-Mayo Classic games over the Labor Day weekend where we had App in East Carolina on a Thursday night, Clemson, Georgia on a Saturday night, the economic impact was $48.8 million. And what an important thing after the hospitality industry has just been crushed uh, during this pandemic. So we were so excited about just uh, our small part of trying to help uh, folks that needed a lot of help at that point. That is an incredible number. I appreciate you telling us that because it really puts it not being abstract, right? You can hear that number and hear the impact. I was at the Clemson, Georgia game, by the way. You guys did a fantastic job. And I know you expect the same uh, for this bowl game. Do people ever come up to you, Danny, and talk about, specifically in this world today, the Twitter account, how it's taken on a life of its own? I feel like you probably get that question often. It's almost like the Duke's Mayo Bowl is an entity. It's it's a person on Twitter, if you will. Well, we're we're fortunate. Uh, We got the best in the business at Miller (laughs) Yoho. It's almost like uh, uh, having a superstar, talented uh, player. They not only have talent, they have work habits, they have instincts. He knows how to make it fun and be respectful, but also cutting edge. So it's a it's a reputation that our bowl has is outstanding uh, social media. And Miller's been the reason that that's all happened through the Belk Bowl and through the um, Duke's Mayo Bowl. Danny, you mentioned your great partner there, Duke's Mayo, a true Southern brand. How fun has that relationship been? It's been great. I mean, to have a Southern iconic brand and people are passionate about their mayo. That's right. Uh, I, I remember growing up as um, a youngster in the in the South, and my mother wouldn't use anything but Duke's mayo. So she was she was a big fan. And people that know the Duke's mayo brand know the high quality. And we couldn't be more pleased to have been partnering with Duke's mayo. It's great to be in a situation where a brand wants to have fun with it have get the exposure from it people uh recognize that and uh, we think it's been a wonderful partnership danny i heard a rumor i can't tell you where i heard this rumor that even if both of the coaches or, or whomever opts into getting this mayo bath that because you love mayo so much out of the goodness of your heart you're going to take a, a mayo bath as well it, can you confirm that rumor that's the first I've heard of that. But that uh, so I'll have to uh, see where that rumor came from. I have a good idea where it might have come from. So we'll address that offline. There you go, Danny. Well, thank you so much for your time. Before you go, I, we've got to get a prediction, man. Who's who's pulling it out? Which Carolina's pulling it out? I'm 100% sure that Carolina will win. <laughs> there you go. Amazing a true answer. diplomat. Danny, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you hanging out with us today. Great. Thanks for having me. Big thank you to Danny Morrison. Join us and just wow. I mean, the impact that the Charlotte Sports Foundation is making in the city of Charlotte with their kickoff games and, of course, the Duke's Mayo Bowl game. Economically, KG, all that money that Danny was talking about, the opportunity, bringing people into the city. It's just really cool, all the things Danny was telling us. And this is the other side of what bowl games do. They stimulate local economies. And to hear what he said about the Clemson, Georgia kickoff game that brought in $48.4 million to the city of Charlotte, incredible. So I'm excited to see the impact that this bowl game has, especially with these two teams. Let's get into the matchup, Mac. The Dukes Mayo Bowl, North Carolina, 6-6 six and six, versus South Carolina, 6-6. Six and 11.30 six, a.m. on ESPN, December 30th. So, of course, that's why we're releasing this episode this week. North Carolina, as of now, is an 8.5-point favorite. The total's at 58.5. That's very interesting to me, Mac, that North Carolina is that kind of favorite. And the reason they are is because of Sam Howell. So we're going to start with the North Carolina Tar Heels, and our second Duke's Mayo guest on this episode, Sam 
Howell. We had a ton of fun with this interview. Let's get to it. Sam Howe, welcome into the show. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining us today. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, no doubt, man. I want to start with your decision to play in this game. Really just jump straight into it. Because in a world where it seems like everybody is opting out of everything, you decided to play. What what went in that decision for you? Yeah, you know, honestly, for me, it really wasn't a decision to be made. Um, You know, it's something I always knew I I wanted to do. I, I always want to play in a bowl game. You know, I just truly love this team. I love my teammates. And, you know, at the end of the day, I just love playing ball. You know, luckily we, we get one more opportunity to do that this year. You know, it's definitely something I wouldn't want to miss. Um, so it just really it's just about me loving my teammates and loving this game of football. And, you know, I just really ready for it to be over. Uh, you know, I want to go out there with, with this team and with some of my best friends. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Well said, Sam, that it wasn't even a decision. I, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to hear that and, and find that refreshing. Let's talk about UNC, though. As you mentioned, your brothers, you want to play with this program, for this program. You could have gone anywhere in the country a couple years ago when you were being recruited. I know you're a North Carolina kid. What was it about North Carolina that made you want to go play in that uh, in that Carolina blue? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things to it. Um, you know, ultimately with Coach Brown coming back, um, it's just something that I wanted to be a part of. And, uh, you know, I just – I really just had a lot of belief in this program. Um, and I, I took a lot of visits here, and I've been around a lot of the players here. And, you know, just the way that was, it was just a true family atmosphere here um, and all the players hung out with each other. Um, that's really not something you see everywhere else. So, you know, I was just super impressed with just the group of guys that, that were on this team. And it was definitely just something I wanted to be a part of. Um, and, you know, I'd always like a challenge. Um, so I kind of came here with the, with the excitement for, you know, kind of a new challenge and trying to bring this program back to where it's supposed to be. How far on the totem pole, I guess, Sam, did that rank kind of in your decision you know, that, that you made back then in, in getting this North Carolina football program back to where it should be? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that meant a lot to me. Uh, you know, I always watched North Carolina growing up and then just being in state um, and always kind of pulling for North Carolina. Uh, you know, it just kind of – I hated to see them go through those ba- two bad, two really bad years just because I knew some of the guys on the team and, you know, I knew the potential this team had. Um, and, you know, it kind of just hurt to, you know, watch them go through that. And I just want to be one of the reasons that we kind of get this thing back on track. Um, so, you know, that was definitely – a big motivator in my decision to come here. Well, I don't think there's any question that, that you're, you have done that you're doing that. And uh, I know a lot of people in the state of North Carolina, very happy that you made that decision before we jump into some bowl game talk here. I, I want to have a little fun. Uh, give me your top three retro Jordans. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, probably the <laughs> Jordan ones are probably my favorite and probably followed by the Jordan 11s and the Jordan fours. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm get, digging that. I'm, yeah, so I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of Jordans. You can never go wrong wearing a pair of Jays. <laughs> that's so right. Do you I have a specific? Right uh, do you have a specific flavor for the ones that that's your your favorite? Yeah, probably the um, Obsidian Jordan ones. They're like Carolina blue and navy blue. Uh, those are those are probably my favorite ones that I have. Great choice. Great How many choice. pairs of Jordans do you have, Sam? Uh, that's a good question. Probably <laughs> fifteen, maybe. Probably fifteen pairs of Jordans. Okay, solid, solid collection. I'm sure it will expand in the years to come. We we know that you are you were already a big Bojangles guy. Of course, if you grow up around here, you love Bojangles. It's just part of your life. And you signed an NIL, NIL deal with Bojangles, so that was very exciting. What is your go-to order at Bojangles? And give me everything. Give me the size. Give me the drink. I need the full order. Yeah, um, at Bojangles, I'm going to get a Chicken Supremes combo with a large sweet tea um, and just fries on the side with honey mustard. Mm. Easy enough. He's got it. He's ready. He's ready to go. All right. I'm last hungry. last really fun question for you here, Sam. Uh, you, you've played with some dudes. I mean, ton of talent, skilled player position all throughout your career at UNC. If you had to pick one guy out of all of those dudes, who would it be? Who just, I guess, took your breath away that when you saw him, you're just like, how the heck does this guy do this each and every Saturday? That's a question that's going to be hard for me to answer. <laughs> I mean, I've been, I've been bus with a lot of guys, um, but you know, honestly, if I could probably play with one guy, uh, probably again, honestly, probably be Michael Carter. Uh, you know, he's just so special on the field and, and off the field. And you know, he's he's one of those guys who helped me so much um, for my development since I kind of came in early um, that January. And he just kind of helped me. He just kind of showed me the ropes. Um, he He's a true role model for me. Um, he showed me he showed me what it was like to be a true leader, uh, you know, the way he carried himself every single day. Um, so Michael Carter is someone that's, 
he's just such a special guy. Um, he's so much. We still we're still in touch all the time. We talk on the phone all the time, and he's just a guy I'm truly blessed to have in my life. That's a very cool answer because I think some Tar Heel fans or most Tar Heel fans maybe thought you might pick a wide receiver, but I love that you went with your guy, Michael Carter. Sam, when I look at this matchup, I'm very excited to see this matchup with South Carolina. First of all, you're fighting for bragging rights to be the real Carolina, so that's always good. But you also have a great passing defense uh, for this for this Gamecock team, second in the SEC, allowing just 178 passing yards per game, fourth in Power 5. They have 15 picks on the season. What have you seen on film so far that you think uh, stands out? What's made them so effective? Yeah, I think the first thing that stands out is how big they are and, you know, just how, how good they look physically. Uh, you know, they you can tell they're an SEC team. Um, you know, they you know, I've, I've just been super impressed with how hard they play as well. Uh, I think their coaching staff did a really good job of kind of getting those guys ready to go. Um, they do a lot of really good things schematically as well. Uh, you know, they, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing from a disguise standpoint. They know what looks they're trying to show when they're in different looks um so they, they're overall just a, a good defense um they don't really make many mistakes they don't really cut people loose um so that's everything you need for needing a good defense um and they're doing a really good job of it one thing that will surely open the past more is the threat of a quarterback run and, and effective you know runs from the quarterback you have been able to take that aspect of your game to a new stratosphere this year what was the point and why did you have such a grip big point of emphasis on your running ability this season? Yeah, I mean, I, I've always, you know, ever since I got here, I wanted to improve on my mobility. Um, that's something that, that I've always had circled. I kind of knew I need to improve. Um, and so I kind of just got with our strength, strength and conditioning staff, and they do a really good job. You know, those guys are the best in, in the country. Um, and kind of just loosen my hips up a little bit and, you know, just try to work on cut, cutting and different stuff like that. And you know, going into the year, it wasn't really something that we planned to do. Um, we didn't plan to run me 20-sometimes a game or whatever, but it's just something we kind of did a little bit of it early on, and we had a lot of success doing it. Um, the O-line was doing a really good job blocking our quarterback draw play, um, and it, it, it was really our most ex- explosive running play um, throughout the season. So, And we put a lot of time with the O-line into the draw play, blocking the draw versus blitzes and certain different looks. Um, so they did a really good job with it. It's just something we kind of just found a lot of success, and so we continue to do it. Sam, how does your body feel after, or comparatively, this season? I know we're not quite over yet, but we're at the end of it versus other years. Because, as you said, you're running it so much more. You're you're not only you know getting hit, but you're delivering shots. I mean, I, I call you basically a fullback with a cannon on his arm uh, now out there. How do you feel physically after running the ball so much? Yeah, um, you know, it's a little bit different this year. Um, you know, it kind of. You know, I ran the ball a lot in high school. I probably ran the ball 25 times a game um, my junior and senior year. And it, it really feels similar, kind of how my body felt in high school. Obviously, the hits are a lot harder in college. And I really didn't do a good enough job protecting myself. Um, so really on a week-to-week basis, um, it, it, it it wasn't fun. Um, but, you know, we have a really good medical staff here. And, you know, I put the time in from a treatment standpoint and had myself feeling really good on Saturdays. And, you know, I feel really good right now with a couple weeks off. Um, so I, I feel really good going into the bowl game. So you're ready to deliver some hits is the, is the vibe I'm getting, Sam. Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Um, when we're talking about the Dukes Mayo Bowl and, and this game specifically being played in Charlotte, which has to be a really cool thing for you. And then a lot of times in bowl games, you know, you play a team from all the way across the country. You're playing a team right down the road in South Carolina, the team that you started your career against. And it's a bragging rights thing, right? So when someone says, okay, where is the real Carolina? I think I, I know what you would say, but do you feel like this this can be a bragging rights game where you're playing a team that's in your own region? Is that a little more exciting? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess it's probably a little more exciting. Yeah, I would say it is. Uh, you know, just, you know I, know, I know a couple guys on that team and, you know, it's definitely something that's probably really cool for the fans. Uh, you know, they're probably the battle of the two Carolina schools. Um, so it, it's just something really cool to be a part of. You know, it's, that's kind of where I um started my career um, in Charlotte mm-hmm. against these guys. So it'll be kind of a lot of, it'll be a lot of fun to go and kind of play them again in Charlotte back in my hometown. Very full circle. What do you think when someone, cause Mac and I both live in South Carolina. What do you think when someone refers to Carolina and they're referring to the Gamecocks? Like, does that even make sense to you? No, I've, I've never heard anybody <laughs> say Carolina referring to the Gamecocks, honestly. So that's well, right. We, we know what time it is. When people say Carolina, we know what time it is. <laughs> y'all, y'all know what it is. <laughs> well, Sam, I've got to ask you, if this is indeed your last game, which I know you haven't announced or maybe even even made that decision yet, but if this is your last game as a North Carolina Tar Heel, 
What do you hope your legacy was at Carolina? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. Um, it's something I really don't, I don't think about a lot. Um, but, you know, I really just want to be remembered for how I, how I treat everybody here. And, you know, I, coming in here, I wanted to be a part of that change and change kind of the culture of Carolina football and kind of get it back where it's supposed to be. And, you know, I just try, try to come in here with a positive attitude and a positive mindset every single day and just try to make everybody around me better. Um, challenge everybody I'm around and, you know, just really try to maximize my own potential um, and everybody else around me and try to be the best version of myself and try to get everybody on my team to be the best version of themselves. And I really just, I really just pride myself on how I treat everybody while I was here um, and kind of just rebuilding this culture. Well said. Okay, we're going to go from a serious question to a funny question. You might get dunked with Mayo. We'll see if you guys win the game. I feel like <laughs> there's a good chance if you guys win that Coach Mac Brown will be dunked with Mayo. How do you think – the legendary Coach Mac Brown will react if he is dunked with a tub of mayo. Um, you know, I I, I kind of joked with him the other day, told him that, told him it's gonna happen to him, and <laughs> I, I'm sure that's probably something that nobody wants to happen to him. But you know, if we if we, if we win the game, then he'll probably he'll he'll, he'll take that with it. Um, it's it's a pretty good trade off there, so I'm sure uh, he'll he'll take that just for a win. Protect the Jordans, right? I feel like that's the first thought. Yeah, they'll, they'll they'll give another pair though. Okay, good, good. Are you a Duke's mayo guy, Sam? I do like mayonnaise. Yeah, I do. I I, I eat some mayonnaise on my on my sandwiches and stuff. But you only use Duke's, right? Oh yeah, I mean I I just whatever mayonnaise. Yeah, I like <laughs> Duke's mayonnaise. It's pretty good. Oh Sam, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for your time. Good luck in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Excited to get to watch you play uh, at least one more time in this bowl game. Yeah, I right, appreciate it, guys. Thank y'all for having me on. stuff from Sam Howell there, Mac. I was really interested in what he was saying about running the ball and how it wasn't really a plan going into the season, but it just kept working so well. QB draw, QB counter, things like that. That's so fascinating, Mac, because the way he runs it, it almost feels like he took his running ability and I would say his toughness to a different level this year. It might not have been in the plan, but to me, that that says a lot about him as a football player because it's whatever his team needs, he's going to do it. And Sam Howell delivered some hits to people this year, Mac. He absolutely did. And I, I think it does speak to just his leadership, exactly what you just said there. The fact that you know he probably did identify a problem coming into this season saying, hey, we're losing two generational backs. That production is going to have to come from somewhere. So you know, I did talk to him kind of preseason saying, you know, I, I worked on my body a little bit, getting a little thinner, getting a little faster. But these numbers are nuts. I mean, his most that he had ever rushed for in a season was at 146. This year, if you take the sack yards away, which he got sacked 44 times, oh my God, uh, he was over 1,000 yards rushing. So he certainly wow. was doing something that, hey, look, this works. Let's keep doing it. We're finding success. He was right at five yards per rush. Again, if you take that sack yardage away, I guarantee that's more like six, maybe six and a mm -hmm. half. So he was so effective every time he has run the ball, and I think that will be a big piece of this game plan going against South Carolina. Oh, it will. And I know Shane Beamer, and we'll talk to him later, they're ready for that. I think that's going to be one of the main things they try to slow down. Now, of course, we know that South Carolina has a very good secondary, Mac, and you look at some of the weapons for North Carolina – it always worries me a bit with UNC, and I think this has been part of their issues this year, that they've been, in many respects, not trying to disrespect anyone, but a one-receiver kind of team. I mean, Josh Downs, 98 catches, 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns. It's been all about Josh Downs. Do you think that will work against this South Carolina secondary? You know, I think it's certainly going to be a guy that they're like, hey, we're putting all of our attention on. We're putting our best player on. We're, we might have you know, some safety help over the top. But in the same breath, that's what people have tried to do all year long, right. and it hasn't worked. I mean, he, Josh Downs is – he's just that good, and he's that explosive, and North Carolina has found ways to get him the football. But it is concerning, especially when you're going against the second-best pass defense in the SEC, probably like top four, I think it was, in all of Power Five. So these guys are going to get after it. They're, they're certainly going to make it difficult to throw the ball, and that's why I think – you know, running the football is going to be so important. And so this could really be kind of this this encore, big hurrah performance from Sam Howell, um, just because I think this will be, you know, his last game that we see him in a Tar Heel jersey. But, I mean, how crazy would it be that he comes back? I mean, I, I wasn't getting 
I'm gone vibes when we were talking to him in the interview, you know, him talking about playing with his brothers, loving being at North Carolina, all these different things. It seems like he really loves it, but I've also seen him in a bunch of first round mocks. I just think there's no way that he comes back. So I think this is going to be the encore. I think this is going to be the last one and really just has a great opportunity to go out on a very high note. Ironically enough, as you brought up against the team that he started his career with in the same exact arena or stadium there. So it's kind of a crazy full circle moment. It's really cool. It's it's very full circle. I was kind of getting the vibe just reading between the lines that he is gone, but I also respect the heck out of Sam for playing in this game. No doubt. And he said it wasn't even a decision. He was right. going to play. And that's awesome. You love that from Sam Howell. Let's talk about this UNC defense, Mac. Um, it's been a little disappointing. Now, South Carolina, we're getting – we saw the recent reports that Jason Jason Brown, who's was their third-string guy but also started against Clemson, he's transferring, so he's gone. So they basically just have Zeb Noland left, the former graduate assistant who's been dealing with injuries – came in at the end of the Clemson game. This defense should be able to put up a fight against the South Carolina offense, I would think. You would think, KG. I mean, that this isn't an explosive offense. This isn't an offense that really has had a guy you know, really deliver for them all year long. And we'll hear again from Beamer later in this episode where he talks about injuries, those inconsistencies, and, and lack of you know just having something that you can count on throughout the year. So I, I would hope that North Carolina can figure it out. I mean, I've been really disappointed in these guys this season. I thought that you know, they'd make some big-time improvements. They have young ball players that have really shined at times. But the key is all that talent, all those recruiting stars, all that fun stuff to talk about, it has to equate to wins and better performances on the field. And that just hasn't been the case. So, you know, is it something that they all build on? And we see this great aha moment this game against South Carolina, which, as we've said time and time again now, doesn't have a great offense. We'll see. I mean, when, when you look at when you look at the power, the star power that North Carolina should have defensively, they should be able to figure it out this game. Mm-hmm. You'd think. You'd think. And we'll talk more about South Carolina later in the episode when we get to our interview with Shane Beamer. Mac, give me your key for North Carolina in this game. Yeah, it's it's super simple. Let Sam Howe go crazy. Let him just absolutely ball out. I want to see him throw it 30, 40 times this game. I really do. I want people to be, you know, kind of reminded of the arm talent that he has and and the things, you know, that he can do with the football. Um, you know, he hasn't thrown for over 30 passes this year. You know, his high is 39. So, you know, would love to see him just creep into that 40 number. Um, even though they, they, they want to be balanced, they want to run the ball. So I'm sure we won't see that. But, you know, also his teammates helping him, you know, guys around him making plays and, you know, letting him really just go out on such a high note. So let Sam Howe go nuts. That's the key for me for North Carolina. Yep. And my key is very similar, but we know North Carolina throughout this season, they've had turnover issues, whether it's Howell with fumbles, whether it's picks, whatever. I think that's how you really let South Carolina stay in this game early is if you turn the ball over. So that's going to be very important for North Carolina to watch their turnovers, not lose the turnover battle. Mac, before we get to our last Duke's Mayo guest, let's tell our listeners about our great partner. Come on, KG. Duke's Mayo has that little Southern something, that little Southern something. Did I say that right? That makes good things better. Duke's is delicious on sandwiches, in salads, and even being the key baking ingredient. Guys, when I first kind of wrote this, I was looking, I was like, what does that mean? And I dive into it. There are hundreds of things that you can oh, make yeah. with Dukes. It is un- I, my, I've been awoken. My, my true Southern gentleman has been mm. woke up. You woke now. On how to use Dukes Mayo the proper way. Listen, guys, that thick and creamy texture, that's why you want it. Trusted since 1917, there's no other way to go. Over the past 100 years, Dukes has continued to cultivate and celebrate its commitment to family recipes, that's what Mac's talking about, and bold Southern flavors, in addition to the flagship mayonnaise, which is still made according to Mrs. Eugenia Duke's original recipe in Greenville, South Carolina. Dukes offers flavored mayo, regionally inspired Dukes Southern sauces, and mustards. Check these out. Check out all the recipes Mac's talking about at dukesmayo.com. Embrace the new flavors with that same twang. All right, guys, it's time to look at the South Carolina side of the matchup. Here to help us break down the Gamecocks, their commander-in-chief, a guy that we are actually huge fans of and cannot thank him enough for coming on the show with us. 
head coach Shane Beamer. Coach Beamer, I want to congratulate you being the first ever SEC coach invited to come on the show and then, of course, to join us. Thank you so much and welcome in. No, I appreciate it. I was going to say, I didn't know if you were inviting people and they weren't coming on or if (laughs) you actually... I was the first person that earned an invite. So, That's right. I, I had to clarify. I had to clarify. No, absolutely. I appreciate it. And uh, really big fans of y'all's work. So appreciate you having me on. Thank you very much. So year one, a whirlwind, starting the season, having to have a GA play quarterback, dragging Florida by 30, beating Auburn at home, and then going bowling. Are you kidding me? I mean, you have to be so proud of your guys, what y'all accomplished year one. Yeah, really, uh, really am. It's been, you know how it is from you guys being in the middle of it. You just, you're so like locked in on week to week that you don't really think about the big picture during this, during the season. And it's all right. You, you lose your quarterback, then you bring up your GA, then you lose him. Then you, then you make your third team guy or third team quarterback, the starter. We lost our starting right tackle. We lost our starting middle linebacker in the second game. We lost our starting receiver about midway through the season and it was just like, all right, what's next? You know, what's next? And just keep your head down and just keep trying to get a little bit better each week. And, and uh, you know, we certainly had some weeks we would like to have back, but just, you know, so proud of our guys. The fact that we, you know, coming off a really bad loss to Texas A&M out in College Station, we had an off week. The practices we had during that off week were amazing and then came right back and, and beat Florida the next week and then found a way to beat Auburn, you know, to get bowl eligible. So it was a lot of fun and, and just – we got great young men on this team and really proud of them and just the way they never flinched and they just came back in every single week, win or lose, and just went right back to work. No doubt. Okay, well, let's talk about quarterbacks here. Uh, I think we can talk about Spencer Rattler because I saw you guys officially tweeted out, so that's awesome. Um, tell us more about Spencer. I know you you know him very well from your Oklahoma days, and then what was the process like getting him to Columbia? Yeah, it was kind of wild, and, and this is actually the first time I've publicly spoke about Spencer since he just signed uh, the night before we recorded this. Um, Perfect. Yeah, um, you know, we uh, Austin Stogner is another tight end from Oklahoma that's transferring here, and I was the tight ends coach at Oklahoma, uh, so I had a relationship with Stog, and Stog went in the portal, I guess, the Tuesday after we played Clemson, and Stog's dad reached out. They went in the portal. They were interested in South Carolina. They were in Columbia on a visit, you know, a couple of days later. And while they were here, you know, Stog and his dad mentioned to me, do you have any interest in Spencer? And I said, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I just figured, you know, he had somewhere that he was already lined up to go or or he was going to go back to the West Coast because he's from Arizona. And, and uh, I had kind of left him alone just to you know, out of respect for him. And, and I, he knew where I was and figured if he reached out to me, I would, or if he wanted to reach out, he would. And, and uh, make a long story short, we just kind of started talking and and um, uh, we had some good conversations, myself with him and then him and our offensive staff and the people here in this building. And it just kind of kept getting better and better. You know, it was one of those situations where uh, as recently as a few days ago, he had told me he was going to make a decision around Christmas time then it became, I'm going to make a decision in two or three days. And then literally two hours later is when he announced he was coming. So um, <laughs> it was uh, it was a good process, but I think we had kind of what he was looking for. And and I think a lot of Spencer, he's obviously, you know, had a up and down career in a lot of ways at Oklahoma, but he's, um, um, I think he's eager for the next opportunity and excited that it's going to be here at South Carolina. That That's an amazing story. And, and it's so funny just how, you know, the world of football is so much about relationships. And, and as you just pointed out there with getting you know, a tight end you're very familiar with, and he says, hey, can my buddy come too? And, uh, yeah. you know, what, what kind of momentum do you expect that to bring, you know, for this program, maybe for the, the, the next signing day, uh, and maybe even others in the transfer portal that, man, when, when you see a guy like that, you're like, I want to play with that dude. I want to go here. Do, do you expect to see kind of a ripple effect from this? Yeah, I do. Um you know, and you're right. It's about relationships. And that's one thing anywhere that I've, you know, anywhere that I've ever been, Eric, I've always just had great relationships with the players that I've coached. And I love that now as a head coach that I get to have those relationships with a hundred plus guys on the team. And as I'm I'm sitting here doing this with you guys here in my office and and right around the corner is a picture of the tight ends that I coached at Oklahoma hanging on my wall from when we beat Texas a couple of years ago in four overtimes and Stogner's in that picture. And, and, um, 
I think without a doubt, it'll bring some momentum just because of the name recognition and the fact what a great place Spencer is as well. I, I know when the news broke the other night, there were a lot of uh, 2023, the guys not even signing this week, but the guys signing next year, it started reaching out to me, just sending me text messages about how awesome that is and things like that. And I think it certainly opened some eyes where people say, man, okay, South Carolina, Spencer Rattler is going to South Carolina. Maybe somebody pays a little bit more attention to us than maybe they would have um, before. And then Spencer also, Spencer and Stogner both, you know, they were both highly recruited. So they did the whole um, all-star game circuit and combine circuit and, and their, their name people. So right away, like Spencer, Spencer texted me yesterday and he's like, Hey, who do I need to go after to, you know, go recruit? And I'm like, man, you know, more people than I do. (laughs) Whoever you think can help us start calling them, you know, legally, making sure they're in the world and all that as well. Um, You know, or in the heights, you know, guys you have relationships with. So I think that'll certainly help. And and hopefully it'll give us some momentum as we uh, we're not signing a quote unquote full class uh, on Wednesday, the December signing period. So we've still got spots to add, whether it be high school prospects that don't sign on, on, in December or guys that are in the transfer portal, you know, right now. And I think Spencer's name and Stogner's name and, and more important than that, just what we're, what we've done here in one year and what we're doing here will resonate with a lot of uh, prospects. I think. Coach, what you just said there was very interesting to me. And, and this is something that is an ever-evolving landscape, college football. And it's much different than when Kelly and I were in school and and how recruiting and signing works. But you just mentioned we're not signing a full class because, I mean, roster management, transfer portal, all these things are coming into account. What's really, I guess, your strategy with that? I mean, are you going to just take, you know, maybe 18 to 20 guys and say, okay, we're going to leave these five spots for transfers? I mean, what's kind of your way ahead, or is it a case-by-case type deal? I think it's really case-by-case. You know, last year when I got hired, it was really different because I got hired in December last year, and we literally, I think we had 10 days until signing day. And I didn't know any of these prospects, really, that that were committed, much less the ones we would go out there and recruit. So we signed a really, really small class last year on this day, so I could get a staff in place, know more about my current roster, and then go recruit in January and add people, whether it be from the portal, which we did. And then a lot of those guys played meaningful snaps for us this year, guys from the portal. Um, this year, now that we've been here for a year and we're a little bit more established, it's a situation where we always want to start with the high school prospects, first of, first of all. You know, if we could sign 25 uh, prospects from the high school ranks, high school seniors a year, we would. But there's certainly – it's a different deal nowadays with the portal. So we're always, you know, if there's 25 fantastic players that can help us, then we're going to assign 25 high school guys right now. But if not, you certainly want to have the flexibility to leave some spots open as well, because, you know, I hope as we sit here and do this today, that our roster stays intact, but realistically we'll probably have some attrition from our program guys that just decide that they want, um, a fresh start somewhere else for for whatever reason, or they want to go somewhere they have the opportunity to play a little bit more. So you always want to have that flexibility roster wise. And then I think the other thing is in the past, if you're in a situation, okay, let's say you're going to take one running back, for example, in this year's signing class, and you offer five guys and you don't get any of them. Well, in the past, you'd go get that sixth guy on your quote unquote board that maybe is a little bit of a reach and probably I don't want to say doesn't belong a little bit of a reach to be playing here at the power five level. Well, now you wouldn't do that. You just sit there and say, okay, well, you know, let's see what happens here in the transfer portal coming up and then seeing if there's somebody that can help us a little bit quicker, that might be a little bit of a better player, you know, and that's just the name of the game kind of everywhere uh, right now, without a doubt. And that's it's, really interesting. Yeah, it's a different yeah. world. It's a different yeah. world. Let's and, dive and- into this matchup coach. When you look at, you know, who's out there, you're playing North Carolina, Sam Howell, he's a special player. There's no question about that. But your secondary has been brilliant all season long. You have to be excited looking for that battle, that matchup all game long. Yeah, I'm excited for the competition. Uh, when, when this was first announced, a lot of people told me Sam Howell was not going to play. <laughs> <laughs> and was going straight to the NFL. And then I saw where he announced he was playing. It's like, wait a minute, what? Um, but no, he's a fantastic player. And, and uh, 
enjoyed watching him. And actually, I got to spend a little bit of time with him. He was here. Uh, we had one of our high school camps this past summer, and Sam's a good friend with the family uh, high school recruit that was here uh, for one of our camps last summer. So he actually came down and spent the day here in Columbia and enjoyed just talking to him and getting to know him and things like that. So he's a great young man, great player. What a, and, and what a career he's had at, at North Carolina. Uh, it'll be a great matchup for sure. Um, uh, our secondary really, really has played well. Our defense has done a great job all year of creating turnovers. And we're certainly going to have to do that against North Carolina. And then really proud of our guys in the secondary, the way that they've uh, probably exceeded expectations in a lot of ways, you know, um, early in the season, most people probably hadn't heard of uh, Jalen Foster for us. And he ends up being on an all American at the safety position. Um, most people probably hadn't heard of, of uh, uh, RJ Roderick and Darius Rush and Cam Smith are, are four starters in the secondary, three other starters in the secondary, and and they're playing like all conference type guys as well. So it'll be a uh, it'll be a challenge for our defense without a doubt because of how explosive North Carolina is on offense and, and the weapons they have, uh, not just a quarterback but all across their offense. And we're excited for the challenge and and uh, need to get out there and and certainly play better. Uh, than we did against uh, uh, the boys in orange a few weeks ago as well. Hey, 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 hey. listen, we weren't bringing that up. You brought that up. No one was going to talk about that. (laughs) I wish y'all could see Coach Beamer's uh, facial expressions. They've been excellent this whole interview. Uh, (laughs) Coach, you guys haven't won a bowl game in a couple years, but this has been a year of firsts already. So what would a bowl win? And we've talked about this all December in our bowl previews, the momentum you get from a bowl win. What would that mean for your program heading into 22? Yeah, it would be huge. I mean, for so many reasons, it would be the seventh win for us, a winning season. It would be uh, an opportunity to send a really special group of seniors out the right way. And then certainly you want to win that last game and have that momentum going into the offseason for your fan base to be even more excited than what they already are. And, And it's been a great month for us from a football standpoint because of recruiting and some transfers that we've added. Uh, but but to go in a bowl game would be huge. But more importantly, like where that bowl game is and who it's against would be huge for us as well. Right up the road in Charlotte, it'll be a great environment up there in a few weeks. Uh, playing a team like North Carolina that that won, I think, 10 games last season. It was in the Orange Bowl. Uh, we know what they're about. Two programs that are certainly trajectory-wise, you would say, are on the way up. And uh, so it would be a it would be uh, you know, fantastic for a lot of reasons. We told our team yesterday, like every bowl game is is a great bowl game, but a lot of bowl games are are different because of the importance of them. And this is certainly one that's really important for us uh, to go to go play well in for a lot of reasons. And coach, you forgot the most important part that if you win, you'll be dunked in Mayo. So how do you that? I feel like that's another thing to add to the list here. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> I. I'm all in, you know, to quote Dabo, like I'm all in on it if it means we won the football game. But, man, the more and more I think about it, my kids were talking to me about it last night at dinner. They're like, Dad, like, really? If you're going to get dumped in Mayo and then we're going to have to, like, hug you and stuff like that if you win. And and hopefully that's a problem we have to deal with. And and no disrespect to uh, the Duke's Mayo company and the ball game. Like, it's a fantastic opportunity for us to play in it. But I'm really not a huge mayonnaise guy. You know, and, and I know, like I'm, I'm, I'm not against it. Like, if I'm gonna get a sandwich, it's gonna be light mayo on it. It's definitely there you not go. heavy sure. mayo. So there certainly, you if you get dumped in mayo, it is certainly heavy mayo. Uh, from it's, that uh, it's a good moisturizer. It's a good moisturizer yeah. for your skin. It, it'll be brilliant. It'll be. We're brilliant. obligated to tell you they also have some other delicious southern sauces and mustards. <laughs> So all right, we can be flexible then. There you go. There you go. Well, coach, since since you uh have brought it up, you started it. I didn't. Uh you, you seem to have a really good relationship with Dabo Sweeney. Mm. Just how did that come about? How did you guys become close friends and you know now kind of frenemies at times on the football field? Yeah, you really you go all the way back to um 2000, um one, two, and three, I was a graduate assistant at Tennessee with Philip Fulmer. And then 2004, five, and six, I was at Mississippi State with Sylvester Croom. And um, uh, all six of those years, I was with somebody that you know, Woody McCorvey, um, that's at Clemson. And Woody was fantastic to me. He was the reason, basically, I got hired at Mississippi State by Sylvester Croom because Woody recommended me. And Coach McCorvey used to always talk about this guy, Dabo. 
you know, that he had coached at Alabama and, and whatnot. So then fast forward to 2007, I come to South Carolina as an assistant coach with Coach Spurrier. Uh, Dabo is wide, wide receivers coach, I guess, at Clemson at the time with Coach Bowden. I was, he was the recruiting coordinator at Clemson. I was the recruiting coordinator at South Carolina. And we just kind of, you know, being in this state, you guys know it's a small state and and you see Clemson on the road recruiting all the time and just kind of got to know him that way. And we had a mutual friend, obviously, in Coach McCorvey and Coach McCorvey says, you're all right, you're all right. You know, so I was, (laughs) I uh, just kind of got to know him that way. And, and, um, Anywhere that I've gone since then, whether it be leaving South Carolina to go to Virginia Tech or Virginia Tech to Georgia or Georgia to Oklahoma, uh, we've just always have kept in touch and 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 um, and supported each other and 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 not just him, but a lot of those guys on that Clemson staff. I mean, Woody obviously, uh, Danny Pierman worked for my dad, you know, at Virginia Tech, and Wesley Goodwin, who just got named as the defensive coordinator. Wesley was our from baseball back when I was at Michigan State. He was like helping Ron Polk on the baseball team, and we brought him over to be a student assistant. And so Wesley and, you know, Brandon Streeter, back when I was at uh, a senior in high school at Virginia or in, in Blacksburg, I remember my dad coming to me one night saying, hey, we got this hotshot quarterback from Pennsylvania that's your age that's coming in on an official visit. Why don't you go to dinner with me, him, and his dad? And it was Brandon Streeter. And, and stuff. So there's a lot of guys there that I think a lot of, but Dabo um, has really been good to me since I got this job and somebody that uh, I know if I ever have a question about or need anything, I can call. And don't get me wrong. I mean, we're both fierce competitors. He wants to beat my brains out on the field and I want to beat his brains out. But, you know, you can, he said it, you can do it without hating the other person. Sure. And uh, I hope he knows that we're going to do things the right way in our program. And, and uh, you know, I feel the same way about his. Definitely. Okay. Last one. Cause I was at this, uh, the South Carolina coaches for charity thing that you spoke at and you were great. And you brought up your little boy who I think had a Trevor Jersey at one point. I've seen him since he's decked out in Garnet. I mean, all the time he's a company man. Did we give that Jersey to Goodwill? Like what happened <laughs> to the Jersey? You know, it's, it's not being worn anymore. I can assure <laughs> you that. Um, I think we had him like he was completely flipped and he was coming to play here at South Carolina. And then I'm not sure what happened. Like my, he's a front runner. So he likes the teams that win. Okay. So all of a sudden when, after the, after the game a few weeks ago, all of a sudden he's asking more and more questions about like Clemson and things like that. And, and he actually, you'll love this one. He actually says to me, he goes, he's like, dad, um, what exactly does the word decommitment mean? And I'm like, well, hold on now. (laughs) Who are you? What? What? Um, so he hit me on that one, which, which, <laughs> which floored me. So then I said to him, I'm like, well, hey, buddy, let's say you're a really good high school football player, and I'm, st- I'm the head coach at South Carolina, and Dabo comes to recruit you, and he wants to come into your house. Like, what are you going to tell him? He goes, I'm going to tell him to come when you're at work. And- <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow. So he, uh, obviously, I still have a lot of work to do. Um but he's uh, Dabo has been very good to him. But I think blood is thicker than water. So to that's answer right. your question, Kelly, I'm not sure where anything is uh, from that standpoint. <laughs> but it sure as heck isn't being worn. I can assure you that. I've I've seen Dabo cozying up to him on the sidelines, giving him a big hug. I I feel like yeah. Coach Winnie's doing his work early. Just in he case, is. You know? He is. There's always a motive, and and uh, <laughs> you certainly did a nice job uh, with him as well. Oh, man. Coach, this was so much fun. Really appreciate your time. Uh, Can't thank you enough for joining us this morning. And uh, get after it today. Good luck. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Man, KG, it's hard for me to say this. All right, it's not hard. I have to be honest. I love that guy. I really do. I mean, I think he's going to be so successful for South Carolina. He recruits his tail off. We've already seen in one year. I mean, getting a massive, uh, a big fish, if you will, in Spencer Rattler. I mean, just the name recognition alone. And then just hearing his plan, hearing his vision for this team and you know, hit, hit the passion it just oozes out of him. I, I don't know how you can root against that guy. There's probably some Clemson fans listening right now. They're like, what are you talking about? I promise. He, he's an amazing coach, and I'm very excited mm-hmm. for his future.
Look, I'm not ashamed. Shane Beamer is awesome. That's right. I, I'm a huge fan of Shane Beamer. And I think that he has the energy, the vision, all those types of things to take South Carolina to another level, for sure. And we talked a lot with him about Spencer Rattler and Austin Stogner. Obviously, those guys can't play in this bowl game, but that's a, a lot you know, that has to do with their future and the momentum they are building. That's what I think is so interesting about this team, Mac. And we're going to talk about them, but... North Carolina is coming off a game that they should have won against NC State, where they did play pretty well, right? South Carolina is coming off a game that they got shut out, and it was a, a demoralizing loss in many respects. So which team can flush that loss quicker and just move on to this game I think is going to be very important. And then we had the news the other day about Jason Brown, and he's transferring. He's in the portal. So now it's really just Zeb Noland for South Carolina at quarterback. They're piecing things together. Beamer already talked about the injuries and all these types of things and, and grabbing a GA as a quarterback. Well, now you're going to have to finish it out with your GA quarterback in Zeb Nolan. Yeah, it's it's, it's a very uh, unfortunate situation, but help is on the way. Help is on the horizon, and they feel really good about going into 22. But you know, as Coach said, th- this is a big momentum game for this program. You know, have not won a bowl game since 2017, just the things that come with it. It is big time, guys. I've said it a hundred times these last couple of episodes. Winning a game going into the offseason with a dub is is just a big-time motivator, a big-time mm-hmm. momentum swing that just really gets you ready for winter workouts, going into spring ball, and just having that good taste in your mouth. The last time that we played, we got a W. So that's what South Carolina is going to try to do. Offensively, I just have to think it's going to be tough unless your defense can put you in good situations. Right. Unless your defense can create turnovers, make some things happen, give you short field position and momentum, and make you feel really good about it. So when you look at this D, I mean, they, they have played very well. I think when you when you look at this South Carolina defense, the one thing that they're going to have to do in that great pass coverage is pay attention to the quarterback run. That has killed people this year, especially if you go man-to-man which South Carolina feels confident in doing with their guys are better than your guys. If your head's turned around, you're not paying attention to the quarterback, he can take off, and then there's 30 yards before anyone's even in the vicinity of him. So they've got to really pay attention to that. I've got to think they try to generate pressure somehow, some way. Sam has been sacked 44 times. He's been sacked like, quick math here, 110, 15 times in his career. I mean, it's unbelievable to see how often that young man has been hit. So you've got to think, okay, can we generate that? Can we throw stunts, pressures, games at this North Carolina offensive line and just mm-hmm. try to to figure it out? The one thing that is a little concerning is their sack master, JJ, has opted out. He, he said, listen, I'm going to the NFL. I'm not playing. So that's a little concerning. But can they just get it schematically, draw some things up? I've got to think that's going to be a huge key for them, Kelly. Right. And I think offensively, you know, you got to take it'll take Josh Van will take you as far as as you can go. Hopefully he's feeling healthier for this game. As of now, he has not opted out and signs are also pointing that he may come back in 2022 and want to play with Spencer Rattler. I mean, who wouldn't? So that's a good sign for him. I think the and for South Carolina, the biggest thing, Mac, this starts defensively for South Carolina. And I think it starts offensively for North Carolina. So that's the beauty of this matchup. Yep. You have to force turnovers. You have to make Sam Howell uncomfortable. Put him on the ground. Be physical with him. Try to at least limit Josh Downs. Those are the keys for South Carolina. It starts on the defensive end in this game. Absolutely is. As you said, create those turnovers. Get your offense short field position, extra opportunities, and then also frustrate Sam Howell with your coverage. I mean, if you can show mm-hmm. him some things that, you know, maybe it looks like cover two and then it rolls to – you know, cover three, or maybe you buzz a safety down and, and show some type of pressure, but it's actually man-to-man, uh, you, you can find some success there. So it's going to be very interesting to see what is their plan of attack, what do they want to do. I can't wait to watch it. It's good on good when UNC's on offense and South Carolina's on defense. All right, KG, let's make some seaside-grown fresh picks. Listen, guys, it is bowl season. There is a ton of opportunity to home gate. We've got games on all day, every day, starting at like, 10 a.m. sometimes. So you guys have got to use Seaside Grown. Let them help you get ready for game day. Start your home gate off right with the Seaside's award-winning Bloody Mary mix. It's super simple, guys. Just add your spirit of choice, and all the flavors are there. No adding this or that is necessary. Just pour, shake, garnish, drink, repeat all day long. 
And that's perfect for an 1130 a.m. kick. Exactly. I'll just put it that Come way. on. And if you're looking for more than their Bloody Mary mix, there are 18 other true field-to-glass seaside-grown products that are made from the fresh produce Seaside grows locally or that is from other American farms that they partner with. These products are then bottled in Seaside's very own commercial packing facility. By doing this, they provide unprecedented traceability for those consumers, knowing exactly where the food in those bottles comes from. So go to SeasideGrown.com, browse their amazing products, the salsa, the barbecue sauce, the fish dust, all these different types of things. When you load up your cart and you're ready to check out, use our code ACC15 to save 15% on your order. All right, Mac, it's time. Let's pick this football game, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, the greatest bowl of them all, North Carolina versus South Carolina, 1130 a.m. on ESPN, December 30th, North Carolina, eight and a half point favorite. The total's at 58 and a half. Mac, what is your pick? Yeah, KG, I, I hope Coach Beamer stopped listening by now. He's like, all right, my interview's done. I'm checking out. I'm moving on. I got to do more important things. I'm going with Carolina. I'm going with Carolina to cover. I think Wait, which one? <laughs> Listen, this is an ACC podcast. <laughs> There's only one Carolina when we say it. That's actually not true. I, I find myself... Depending on who I'm referencing, I always yeah, just say Carolina. I refer to the Gamecocks it's as so Carolina. It, it, it's because we're Clemson people and we're in South Carolina. So, true, true. Uh, you are correct. Everyone else, I apologize. I'm choosing North Carolina. Uh, I think they cover. I, I do. I am taking the under here, though. I just think that South Carolina isn't going to be able to generate, you know, enough offense just just because of circumstance, and uh, and it's unfortunate. But you know, I, I'm going with the Tar Heels. Interesting, Mac. I am taking North Carolina to win the football game. But I think this game is going to be pretty ugly on both sides. Really? And ugly in a good way in that we might have a closer game than people think. Hmm. As of right now, that number is eight and a half. And we're recording this a little bit before we release it. So if the number changes, we can talk about that on Twitter. Right now, I would take South Carolina plus eight and a half. I think this game is going to be ugly. I think it's going to be a little close, a little ugly. I think South Carolina's defense is going to bring it. I still think North Carolina wins the game, Mac. I hear you. So you're taking the under, I assume? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm taking that. Okay. For sure. I like that. All right, let's talk about these prop bets here, Max. Sam Howell compiles over under 400 yards of total offense. Ooh. See, I was going to just do passing yards, and I was like, well, he you got to put his running in there. That crazy with the passing stats. Right, like, he went right. over 300, I think, maybe five or six times, but it was just by the skin of his teeth. It was like 307, 301, 310. Like, it was just barely getting over. So I was like, 400 is a huge number. But when I add in these crazy rushing numbers, he gets it with ease. So I'm going over. I, I think that, you know, he is going to have that encore, that final game, that big type se- celebration where he just balls out. So I'm going over 400 yards of total offense for Sam Howell. This is a tough one because Sam Howell is their offense. So basically, if you're saying, is North Carolina going to get over 400 yards of <laughs> offense? I feel like that's kind of the question here. I think this game will be uglier, but I think part of that is because UNC will turn it over. So they're still going to compile yards. So I'll I'll go over here oh. because of the way Sam Howell runs the ball. Okay. Yeah, I think it'll be over. Okay, I'm digging that. Come on, KG. All right, well, I've got the last prop bet for you here in this episode. The percentage of mayo. This isn't an over-under. I just need a percentage. If there's 100% in the gallon of mayo, okay. gallon bucket, whatever it is, how much mayo will actually be dumped on the winning head coach. Mm. Because listen, some guys like to jump out of the way. Some right. guys just fully embrace the mayo. It's going to be very interesting to see what do they do. So give me your percentage. How much mayo gets on the head coach? Okay, I have I have some thoughts on this. I, as we talked with Coach Beamer, if South Carolina were to win, I believe Coach Beamer would he would he would have some mayo on him, but he would get out of there. Like, this is a dude who really does not want to be dunked with mayo is the vibe I got. And I understand. I mean, that's a normal human want is to not be dunked with mayo. So I think if South Carolina wins, it would be more like 50%. But we did see Mac Brown on ACC Network said that he is all about it. He is willing to take the mayo. So I think with Mac, just because there may be some some error of the dunkers, some dunking error, I think with Mac, because it's going to be a very exciting time. I think we'll get like 88% of the bucket. Oh, that's pretty good, Coach though. That's pretty good. 88%. Listen, here, here's my deal. I'm kind of 
not opposite, but I'm kind of opposite with with this. I think that there will be so much jubilation if South Carolina wins mm. from Beamer. I think he just sits there, open arms, <laughs> staring up, just and embraces it. like 90% of the mayo. I think he just totally soaks it in. If UNC wins, I think Mac's going to be like, okay, you know, business as usual. We're eight and a half point favorites. Get that thing away from me. And maybe they like clip a Jordan or something. So like 10% mayo. Mac Brown will change out of his Jordans as quickly as no, possible, or maybe get no. some of those shoe covers. Oh, that's a good idea, but no. Because and you I can't also ruin a pair of J's with mayo. We, we need to have kind of a Mac, a Mac tracker. How much does he move all game? Because I think he's going to be saving mm. it up for like a burst of speed so he can to burst, get away, yeah. away from yeah. the mayo. That's what I think happens. And there's just this a, is the analysis. There's a glob, there's a glob yeah. of mayo sitting on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> this is the analysis you came here for. Exactly. Exactly. What else would okay, you want? Okay, so you think Beamer will take more mayo, and I think Mac will. Exactly. Right, we'll see. There we'll we see go. what happens. We'll find out. Guys, that is it from the greatest episode we have ever done, the Duke's Mayo Bowl preview episode. Thank you all for listening to Gramlick and Mac Lane, presented by Duke's Mayo. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating, or write us a review. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see you all. 